Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into the surfboard. So, Brad, you know what? Since the first of the year, we haven't seen too many. uh, It's happened sometimes in the winter. We don't see a lot of swell until the big northwest swells come. But guess what? We get in. This is a recovery podcast, but we always start with a, a surf report. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so surf report. We share some things and news. And so right now, the surf report is pouring rain here in, in Southern California. So we're getting finally some swell coming in. And tomorrow's supposed to be four to six with eight foot sets that have come in Does occasionally. Does it say fair to good or fair, poor? It says it? poor to fair, but it, that just means it's, it's got wind, a leftover right? bump. So we just got to find yeah. a secluded spot. But then come Thursday, it cleans up. And it looks good to fair, fair to good. And then the rest of the week, it looks like we got some good swell coming up. Awesome. And we uh, getting snow in the mountains. I went snowboarding over you the Christmas did. break. How fun was that? It was awesome. We I had, had a been blast. Skiing. I can't tell my kids are old enough. I had been skiing for many years because uh, good friends in Utah uh, have a place at Deer Valley where you can only ski. Is that why? So I, I always wondered why. Yeah, so I you thought, said you skied. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Brad's you, good you, at all things boring. Have you been to Deer Valley? Okay, so when you have a ski-in, ski-out cabin on Deer Valley, I'll give up snowboarding to do that. Okay. Um, so I did. Makes um, sense. Makes sense. But some situations changed, and, uh, and you decided to. we uh, went to a snow basin, and my son has been dying to snowboard. Snow basin's up in Ogden by Ogden, so it's north, north. Of, the, of the Wasatch Mountain. So not lake. that mountain range where Park City, it's different. Correct. And a little commercial for Snow Basin, it is beautifully nice. It They redid it for the Olympics, and their lodge is, like, top-notch. Uh, actually, don't go there. It's kind of – it won't get too crowded. But it's beautiful. It's awesome snow, great people, no crowded, and it felt good to get up back on the snowboard. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. You guys had a great time. So We're my birth- a little trip at the end of the month. My birthday is coming up. Maybe we'll hit Brad's going to be 58 hey, years old. No, let's wait, make a trip to Utah and hit an ARP on the way. Let's do it. Boom. Boom. How old are you we'll going to be? Are you tell the staff? Are you gonna tell the I'm a little older than you. So I'm 31. So, so just a little bit older than you. A little that. bit in like dog years, <laughs> a little bit in human years, and uh, dinosaur years. A few dog years older. Just a few, but he rips better than I do. So age, age, it's not a... Age is age relative. Mean nothing. If you live the if word of wisdom... If you live the word of wisdom... That's right. It, if you live the word of wisdom, I feel like you've been blessed because you're still... Dude, you're charged harder than most 30-year-olds. Well, thank you, Jay. Boom. I did post on our Facebook page an article about uh, a lady who lost a bunch of weight just by living the word of wisdom. I, I remember that. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. I read that on our Facebook. I'm like, oh, that's so a cool one. That was neat. Brad does most of the posts on Facebook. So if you see him on Facebook. Actually, you've been really good lately. On, in, on Instagram. I'm Insta- good. Okay. Yeah. I like remember, like, oh, I got to do one. Yeah, you've been, been really, I've been impressed. I haven't even said anything to you. I know. You've been pretty good. There's on. been times where I've gone six months without doing yes, anything. Yes, but you've been on diets, but you've been really good. Good job. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. on Facebook, when I see a good post or whatever, I just go repost it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we need to get you followers to repost a little bit more. Let's yeah. build the audience. And I wonder, and I think this is the case, because we have a pretty big following on our listenership. Yeah. But social media, we don't get a lot of shares. Yeah. And I wonder, it's tell me if you feel it's probably it's a like, shame. If not it's a like, shame, but you don't. Not, it's like, hey, this is a good thing on addiction recovery. You don't want to check it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Because then someone's like, well, why are you on a addiction recovery? Like, why are you listening to that? that that's or, probably well, a real thing, right? Yeah. So let's think of a good way. If you think of a good way to share it, let's uh, 
We'll try to think of that, but just think this, about actually, life's changed. No, this podcast right here is what you want to share. Yeah. Because at the end of it, instead of our normal Ask the Addict, um, I was I did a webinar with leading LDS. Kurt had me on. And you were at home waiting for me to go surfing. Yep. Uh, h- taking care of the Facebook comments. Thank That's you. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was a good, better, best of ARPs. And the reason why we did this is we... We have a lot of listeners from all over the world, and we get a lot of people that, in a really nice way, they try to tell us, like, our ARP meeting isn't like it's, what yours sounds sound like. like your, yeah. It doesn't sound like what you have. We don't have sponsors. I just got another call. Yeah, like we that. don't do sponsors. We don't do chips. We It's more like a Sunday school lesson. There's no one in recovery in the meeting. There's a lot of things that we get reported back to us. I've had a few... Um, I've had a few direct messages where people said, look, we went to an ARP meeting... And I brought my loved one to that meeting, and I would have to start drinking if I went to that meeting. Like, that was the direct quote. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, maybe there's another one. I know. You feel so bad. I feel really bad. And so our hope is it's not out of pride. It's just, look, this is what we found success. We followed the manual. We followed the best practices. We did what other people did. But we didn't try to recreate the real. No, and we're not trying to recreate a Sunday school oh. lesson because the 12-step meeting is not. And I, say, and I think a big thing, too, is a lot of ego taken out of it because it's very easy for us. Because let's be honest, with the podcast and just in general in our stake and our community, I get calls all the time. I just got one before the meeting started and before we did this. This person, you know, they, like, tell you, like, you're doing so great. It's easy to go, okay, cool. Now I'm going to make my own meeting the way I think it should be. Like, I'm going to give a lesson or I'm going to yeah. do this. And so that's what's cool is this podcast later after this news section, guys. Brad goes into detail with Leading LDS Podcast, right? Yeah, Leading LDS. Leading LDS Podcast. And he goes into detail of, of how it should be done um, and good, better, best. Like, here, this is good to have it this way, but here's better. And then, obviously, here's what we found be best, not just for our meeting, but we followed another meeting that did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, just, and what's gone before is AA that's what I mean, yeah. has been around since the 30s. And, and we literally try to – we the the chips, the, those are adopted from AA. That's yeah. not something we found. And, I mean, that's this is what millions, literally millions of people for over almost 100 years have done. So I hope it comes across. You listened to it. I just I did loved it. it. I, I loved hope it. it didn't come across as, like, dissing anyone. Not at all. Who's it's just informational. Leading a meeting, I feel like it's who, informational. Who's leading a meeting. You know, I, I tell always, if I was called to lead this meeting and I didn't have you and I didn't go to any functioning ARP meeting – yeah, you I don't, talk about your whole. I don't experience. think it'd be a good meeting, and I had to humble myself because I'm scared to death. I'm like, this is a big thing. Like, this is literally life and death. Yeah, this is literally we've lost people, marriages, people saved. divorce. Like, I, I need to do it right. I don't want to do what I think is best. I want to do what the yeah, Lord. I remember that. Best. I remember that in the beginning too. You come and I mean, you share that on the podcast, but I just remember you asking like, I don't want it. You're very cautious about doing it the right way. So, anyways, listen up after this section because it's going to get really good. Brad's going to. It's a recording that we did live. He did live on um, Leading LDS's podcast. And the, so, at the end of the year. At the end of the year. So, so it was right before Christmas. So I want you to share that out with your leaders. So your yeah. bishops, your stake presidents. Yeah, if you're a listener and um, you just want to share, yeah, share this in your community, in the church community. Or your ARP gr- uh, leaders, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, and there's links uh, on, you know, Leading LDS is a website as well, and they do the webinars. Like, I think they take donations, and if you're a— you get access to some special things or whatever. Um, he does a really great job. Like, we're super amateur. Like, yeah. our website no, is great. Thank you, Kelly and likes. Um, yeah, the amateur says, like, <laughs> me and you. Like, she, she's awesome. <laughs> no, she's at our website. Yeah. But, you know, don't look but at— Leading LDS, this guy— He's a professional. Is, he's a professional. This is what he does. 
it's it's done as we've learned like, a lot. I mean, you've learned great. a lot from them. So. so it's a great resource for your other leaders as well. Check their podcast out. It's amazing. Okay, um, and well, then news, right? What yeah, else? Yeah, I just want to do got? quick news on this. Is President Monson passed away? Yep. Um, right after the first of the year. And In a week a week ago, right? A week and a little over a week yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, and has you drew a convert to the church? Was who was the prophet when you joined the church? Uh, he uh, Hinkley had just became the prophet. Okay, so um, you've only had Hunter was the right before him. So right? You've, there's only been two prophets since yeah, you've been. Hunter was the only church. a year and a half, and then him, and then Hinkley. Yeah, yeah, two. And I actually got to meet both of them, and the MTC was pretty special. Um, I got to see Hinkley. He died that year, and I, I got to see him three months before he passed away. And in the MTC, in the MTC, I got to have a sacrament meeting with him and Monson and a bunch of people. So I'm gonna say most of your adult life, President Monson has been the prophet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, because Hinkley was just those first year, that first two years, and then um, like and then on your mission, which you mission. don't get a lot of. Uh, no, I just had that special experience. Talks. But I, I remember, I remember Monson and learning. So when I first joined, I was like. Like in most converts, I was gung ho and I want to learn everything I could. And I remember buying the church's DVDs on all the prophets. Yeah. And when I got to Hinkley's, it was amazing. But I remember getting to um, Monson's, and when it when I learned of which he shared this in the MTC when he came into the special fireside, it was not planned. He like sure from his heart, but I didn't know he didn't serve a mission. I didn't know that like he was in the war. He was pretty much didn't have the. He had a lot of good examples in his life, but didn't really have like a structured born in the church raising you know and like first time he read the book of mormon was like on in the war like he was in the military somewhere and i remember that story where it was in the bottom of his bag and his bunkmate wanted to see what i mean you know he like learned yeah this is a man that like very quickly rapidly changed from 18 on and then boom was called to serve as a bishop and then boom mission and then boom and then like then 70 years right 70 years of service I, I can't. I can't even fathom that. I can't even fathom that. You you were pretty fired up on uh, what the was it? What was the liberal uh, newspaper that? Yeah, didn't New York do? Times. I signed a petition and put it out there. I mean, the the the. I mean, instead of like praising a man's like like life that the good things he did, it was a they, super, they, it was secular a view. Superior, of this person. It was all political, and yeah. this man has done more for him. You know, just like a lot of other church leaders in this world have done a lot of mm-hmm. amazing things in service that. Me and you, I care about surfing, and I like to help people when it's convenient. But this man literally, right? <laughs> he dedicated his life. Dedicated his life. So another and person ha- who's dedicated yeah. their life is uh, our, President Nelson, who's going to be who's probably going to be the next prophet. Yeah. You know much about him? Um, I know that he was a heart surgeon. Okay. Yes. I know. That, I know that we were talking about this before. You're going to share hopefully um, a little bit more in detail. But he almost didn't become a heart surgeon, right? Like, or he, he almost, almost quit. quit. Because so it was so gnarly, like he lost the talks. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll link that on our show notes. But so on Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, LDS.org, there's a, a on the youth section, 11 things you didn't know about President Nelson. He seems so, like a really good person. Like, obviously they all do, but uh, he, he's he's always struck me when I hear him talk since day one. Um, just like, uh, I don't know. Before just, I go through the, uh, the, the <laughs> like, the literal, he's a heart surgeon. He invented like specific, like a specific heart. Like, isn't he like a famous heart surgeon? Like, very he's famous. like world renowned, world renowned, heart famous surgeon. heart surgeon, and he invented a specific surgery. Um, and, wow. and I and I listened to a talk from him today where I don't, I can't get into it, but I like he he really he figured out some sort of uh, some sort of procedure I don't know, it's like salt where they run it through the bl- the veins, the blood, and the heart will stop beating, and then they can work on the heart. And, and then, then get they, it to beat again. So basically, put people again. like kind of dead, and then yeah. bring them back to life. Yeah, I don't that's know if that's crazy. the thing you invented, but 
so this guy was he's no joke no in his joke, secular life in his no joke business life and i know a lot of the detractors are like these uh, church leaders like dude, he gave up like very successful practice to go about. serve nonstop. like you're not people don't understand when you become a leader in the church and at their <laughs> level like they don't have secular jobs anymore <laughs> like it's no, gone there's like no time there's, there's no these guys are on a pl- these guys are in their 60s 70s 80s 90s and they literally are on a plane every other day like those guys yeah. are all over the world yeah they're not right. just sitting in their castle no. and then, like, we just do a broadcast right, right twice. Because a lot of the church uh, non-members, they see that they know about the broadcast that happens twice a year at yeah. general conference. They, they like, think they just spend all year. Oh, they spend all year just collecting uh, income from the you know from us. And then all of a sudden they just show up and we praise them. Like, oh. no, dude, these guys literally, if you follow, like, the churches. They're nonstop. These guys are, like, would make you and me tired. And they're <laughs> out there at 90 years old and 70 years yeah. old crushing it. All right, so let's go through the 11 things that we didn't know. Did okay. you know he hates liver? No, but liver's really good for you. His mom used to serve it. He waited until she looked away, right and then now. he stuffed the liver into his pocket. Oh, in his pocket. That's, look, at that, <laughs> look at him as a kid, dude. All right. He played football. Says really? sort of. In high school, <laughs> sort of. he was on the football team, but he didn't want to. He. This is interesting. In high school still, he didn't want his hands to get stepped on. So his coach, who probably a little annoyed with him, kept him on the bench. <laughs> Later on, President Nelson made those hands to perform heart surgery on his former coach. Whoa. So, you know he was razzed. You know, like oh, as a kid in football saying, I don't sure. want my hands crushed. For sure. They would make fun of you in 10 seconds. And then later he saves his coach's life. Do you know he's a convert to the church? I didn't know that. Yeah. Is, is so, that like a first prophet? Minus no, like back in the day? No, there's a few. Um, so there's I think hope for, is as there's well. hope for my soul. Yeah, so brother. Okay. <laughs> so his parents way, were what? inactive members. Uh, aren't, yeah, weren't active members. They went. They sent him to Sunday school. He often ditched class to go play football. But his home teacher patiently taught him the gospel and the importance of church and the Sabbath. When he was 16, President Nelson and his siblings were baptized, and then his parents were eventually became active. That's cool. So uh, join as a teenager, much like you, Jay. That's cool. He has 10 kids, nine daughters and wait, one wait, son. Wait, 10 of his own children? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh. They're so special, these men. Yeah. That's just special enough right there. And and his wife, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, of um, course. So nine daughters and one son. I wonder if that son's the last one because, like, I got to get a son in oh there. Oh, my gosh. He just kept trying probably. I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> Pretty much. A mu- Dude, he has perfect pitch. He's a musical superpower. If you ask him to sing an A on the musical scale, he can do it without needing to hear it first. Oh, I couldn't hit a note if my life depended on it. You can play a good guitar, though. That's a he practice. served in the Korean War. That's crazy. So he was a veteran in the, the Army. Korean? Korean War. That's a long time ago. So served in older. Korea, Japan, and at Walter Reed Medical Center in Washington, D.C. He went to he Harvard. Probably yeah. he's right in yeah. So he uh, went to LDS Business College. Hey, like this guy's just like you, bro. LDSBC. He went to LBC. LDSBC. LDSBC. That was my then college. Then to the University of Utah, and then got his Ph.D. from Minnesota. Um... And then he got surgical training at Harvard Medical School. Wow. Um, there in Boston. And then he says he literally touches hearts. A, re- a world-renowned heart surgeon, President Nelson developed the first artificial heart lung machine. That's what it is. Wow. It basically takes over the jobs of the heart and the lungs during heart surgery. He then used it to perform the first open-heart surgery in Utah. I remember that on President Kimball, right? He went to perform open-heart surgeries in many more people, including President, President Spencer W. Kimball. Kimball's man. He also oh. did a, a top, uh, I remember I read this, but a top uh, government official of China. Really? Mainland China. They flew him in there Whoa. to do that operation. And he speaks, well, here we go, the next yeah. one. He speaks Number fluent nine. Mandarin. 
No way. I skipped nine, but I'm going to go to ten. Okay, yeah. He speaks fluent Mandarin. President Kimball had a meeting where he challenged everyone to learn Chinese. <sighs> President Nelson took the challenge and became fluent in Mandarin. Not even from a mission. This is no, just like... No, just like studied it himself, bro. Ten kids, heart surgeon, apostle. Oh, I'll learn Mandarin on the side. Wow. While the travel. He helped bring the gospel to Eastern Europe. Talk about world traveler. He, he visited 31 countries in five years to start building the church in Hungary, Czechoslovakia, Romania, Bulgaria, Russia, Ukraine, Estonia. And if you don't know, they're not staying in hotels. They're going to stay with members of the church. Pretty so gnarly. that's pretty nice. When they go there, they well, just we're get talking about up like on some the gnarly couch. And gnarly countries. Yeah. Those are, those are some war-torn. Maybe there's hotels, but every time I've known they traveled, when they travel here locally, they stay at a member's home. That's crazy. Can um, you imagine having an apostle in your house? Maybe now with the security, that's probably, probably not that, possible. Probably I don't not. Know. Um, but even still, I can't imagine. All right. He's in three Marquis Who's Who's list. The Who's Who of America, the Who's Who of Religion, and the Who's Who. What's the third one? Heart Surgery. Like, sir. Who's Who or the Who's Who? I don't know. There's three of them, I guess. Uh-huh. So there Anyways. you go. That's pretty. I didn't know some of those things. I didn't know that either. It makes me like him even more. Go to his general authority. There's some uh, dived in deeper. Do you know he's had two wives? Yeah, I remember them saying He's a widow. I was um, what was I listening his to? His wife died. Um, and he got remarried. Got remarried. So his wife died in, uh, let's say the When year? he's older. They were older. This mm-hmm. is pretty. Just 2006. Yeah. So like 12 years ago. So they were, he was well into. Kids are all raised and stuff. Yeah. He's older. Yeah. This is while he's an apostle. Yeah. yeah. How's that dating that? No, it's interesting. It's cool that they all do that. Like a lot of them have done that, where they re- like they feel so important about the family structure. Mm-hmm. Even once they're like most, I was thinking about this. That's what I was thinking about. I was watching the movie Grumpy Old Men yeah. with Walter Matthau. Like they're they yeah, I love that movie. And I was watching it when I, I hope that's afraid. you and I when we were older. oh man, I hope so. So funny and they were you butts and they're throwing <laughs> fish in each other's car. But I was thinking about it like they they lose their spouse and they're cranky old men for like years, right? And then mm-hmm. I meet this girl and they both end up getting married in one and two. But like our apostles, don't like give it away. It keeps people haven't seen it. No, wait, he hasn't seen Grumpy Old Men yeah. since '91. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. But uh, most people don't even know what that is. Um, but, but the fact that like they they know the gospel plan that they they see they, like it could easily be bad. Like their life's already set. They don't need about work kids. They're serving anyways. They don't need. But they're like, no, they know that God is meant for man to not be alone. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Women, men, both of us, we yeah. all need each other. So, I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. Oh, hey. wait. Who's in the studio? Go ahead, Whoa. Lex. Lex, get step in here. Step in here. Roll up. What are, we, what are you trying to chime in and say? No, I said. Everybody loves Lex. We need to have a little dingle for that. Everybody does love Lex. Everyone does love Lex. We have a worldwide audience, Lex. Careful what you're going to say here. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves Lex. No, I was just saying, so if I died, you'd you'd get remarried really fast. I would just follow the the brother. I know. Like it says in my patriarchal blessing. All right. That is an example. That is an example to follow what they do. Statistically, that's pretty common. So I should get remarried if you die. I hope you do. Oh my gosh. I don't want you making decisions for our family. (gasps) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Financially. Anyways. Or spiritually or anything. But, no, I'm just kidding. You're amazing. Of course. we got to follow. Yeah, of course. That would be very hard. It but, would be very hard. But, but I'd hope you'd make I'd it. I'd be fine. I'm just kidding. Statistically, statistically. <laughs> you wouldn't. Statistically, widowed men get remarried pretty quick. Oh, yeah. My dad would definitely And uh, women tend to not. I mean, I think that's. Yeah. I think because women can take care of themselves, but men. <laughs> we can't. We can't. Like, it doesn't say it's not good for women to be alone. My dad literally doesn't know how to shop, like, in the grocery store. Uh, when you're gone on vacation, I 
I go through a mini panic of I don't know what to do. His, luckily, your mom lives close by. Yeah. Because I literally, there you go. Because every time Lex is out of town, your mom's over at the house. Oh, yeah. for sure. He doesn't, like, take care of the kids by himself. I, like, list, I just learned how to be an adult over the last five years, let alone like, a single adult. Like, like while you're gone. I'm kind of an adult. If you, if you need some backstory on here, go back and read. The, if this is your first time listener, go back Sorry. and listen to some other podcasts <laughs> with Lexi. Po- this is why she's not allowed. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I, I love you, Lexi, because it's real talk. Real talk. I love it when you admitted that Jay had a crush on me. The first time. That's you my did? favorite. That's my favorite episode. <laughs> I play that over and over again. Just <laughs> listen to that. It's so happy. A man crush. Oh my that gosh. was cool. Like I like that. Yep. Thanks, like, Jay. How am I gonna get in that crew? I'm like, oh, just go surfing with him, I guess. There we go. He had to do a backside off the lip, and then he was in. Guess who texted me? Or was it a call? What was let's, it? Let's I didn't do that. Right. I didn't say that. I didn't yeah. say that. Anyway, so hey, we, I, when I, is he going to be called? Like, I when did they really? When did they? I sorry. don't know. I don't know. I'm yet to listen. Well, it won't be sustained until conference. Yes. April. Yes. Really? Yep. Wait, why? That's just so how it is. So we need one right now? Of course. He'll be called, but then they'll sustain him as He'll be sustained in a general conference. Oh, I'm surprised they don't just, like, do it, like, somehow... Maybe That's going over, on ahead of the church. Maybe That's over like a. Christ has his church set up. <clears throat> There's an order to it. There's an order, babe. All right. Well, um, I uh, will have lots of news when uh, the detractors try to find stuff they don't like about him. Uh, Good luck, and man. And claim how he's an old man. And Good luck. This guy's, this guy's more. Wait, um, how old is he? I don't know. Old. He's awesome. Like old. This guy's accomplished if you, more. If you in really his life. want super specific church stuff, there's probably other podcasts. We're all about recovery. Yeah. So this is just and church news. So if you're listening high, high the first time, church. you're like, "What are they talking about?" It's just news. Church. High level, high level, high level church addiction news. We're gonna go light on the addiction news. We're gonna go straight into your share. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm still gonna throw your share in here. Yeah. And then right after Jay's share, we're gonna do the leading LDS good. Better, best ARP meetings. I hope that you share Brad that with other it. people. Brad kill it. Share it. Share and, it. And, a, and one more little push. If you've if you've been benefited from this podcast, um, if you go to our website, 12steptochange.com, there's a little tab on there on donate support. If you feel so inclined, Jay is almost, we almost got enough to get Jay a new mic. Yes. Yes, please. So when we do interviews, we can have really good audio for everybody. Um, we'll also, in the new year, we hope to get out and do some more firesides and, yeah, we and love meetings traveling. and whatnot. We so want to interview more people. That will help a lot. So we got a great year planned. I hope uh, you're stayed sober over the holiday. Jay, any advice? Let's quickly. Holidays are a tough time for a lot of people. Relapse can tend to happen. Relapse is a sucky thing. Yep. But it's uh, it can be a part of someone's recovery. What's some advice for someone on there that may have slipped up over the holiday break? It's a new year. It's a new you. I know it's all cheesy with New Year's resolutions, but when I don't. To me, to make it, if someone that says New Year's resolution is cheesy is someone who's pessimistic and probably not in recovery. Because if you're in recovery, you realize, like really in recovery, you realize that you're always rebirthed because what gets you sober won't keep you sober. And so 10, 11, 12 has to be a continual growth pattern. And so I don't care what your haul. I just talked to someone tonight who, who had some mess ups over the holidays, just like you said. And I said, okay, cool. Now, well, it's January 9th now, so let's or let's not live in December 9th or whenever your day was that you messed up. Let's live in today, right? Because you, you, you have, but you have to honestly look and at. And the ASA is saying is what you don't lose the time. Yeah, what? you don't lose the time. Yeah, you, 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 you know, my advice is is to not live in the past. If you if you've messed up, 
you need to get honest with your sponsor, and then you need to get honest with your bishop, and you need to get honest with Heavenly Father. And guess what? It says in the scriptures, which we heard tonight, as soon as we repent, we're forgiven. And so we just need to move forward and get back on the... On so the, you should just go, go to your meeting, get honest so, in a meeting. Yep, sit, share with get the Get honest with your sponsor. Get, sponsor should be first thing. Or well, Heavenly Father should be on your knees and pray. And then the next thing is your sponsor, and then bishop if needs be. If not, then your, your sponsor. If you're in recovery, your sponsor needs... You need to have... You just... Come on. And what about your sponsor's uh, been there? If you've got Come a on. if you've got a great uh, meeting where they're doing chips, sobriety chips. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you need if it, if it's your main you know thing and you need to take a new chip, comer chip, your sponsor will know what to do. And if, okay. And uh, so that's why I say go to your sponsor and, and, and your sponsor's been through that before. I promise you, your sponsor's been through it. But that's the thing is when you're new in recovery and you relapse or you have a moment of maybe it's not your actual addiction, so you're not necessarily a relapse because you're not relapsing on whatever prior to the meeting, but you're still making choices you know aren't right. You're always worried, like, oh man, they're gonna judge. Like, dude, I promise you, your sponsor's been through it. I, I, you know, I don't ever get a, a call from people I've sponsored that are now sponsored people going, I don't know really what to do. What do I say? Like, they know what to say. We've all been through it. We've all been through it. And and I, so go, I I've seen through you like the inspiration that comes. Like, yeah, you, you shared a lot. Like, there's words that come out of your mouth. Oh man, in those conversations. You know, oh, those one-on-one -on -one meetings. It's like. Or one-on-one -on -one phone calls that are in the middle of the night from someone, or in the text message, just like all this other, you know, my brain's a hundred miles an hour, and all of a sudden it just stops. I know exactly what to say, and then it all of a sudden it clicks back to crazy. But like, <laughs> it's like, dude. Anyways, Heavenly Father already knows, so just be honest and let's move forward. That's my advice. Okay, awesome. Well, New Year, New You. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're excited for 2018. And Brad's turning 100 this week. All this right. week. All right, bye. <laughs> Jay for the sharing portion of the meeting. I'm Jam and Act. <clears throat> I am grateful to be here. Um, I had a great day today. I if I could check in for myself. Uh, um, <clears throat> I, I'm just I'm just grateful. I, uh, I felt the spirit today at work. I, I have one client that is LDS I'm in the auto industry. A lot of um, my clients are, are general managers and owners of dealerships, car dealerships, and. Um, there's this one guy who's LDS who I've laid it all out and he knows my whole story of recovery. He knows my story of conversion. And he had talked to me over the last few months about a friend that he had who's got a husband um, who, who's an addict and who's opiacted. She's just on the verge of losing it. They've been married for like uh, 15 years or something like that. And his disease is like at the, that next level where he either day, he's just either going to die or she's going to leave him or both. Um, and, uh, I'm, and this is like way over in um, in Duarte, which is off the 210, you know, so far away, kind of by the fires, um, right up to where the fires are. And um, I went over there today. I was supposed to go yesterday. There's all these events that led to today, to me being there. And as I'm doing my transaction with business and then about ready to leave, <clears throat> in walked these two ladies. And um, one of them was like, you could tell like the boss, the other one's like kind of like the little follower, like, you know, like the one who's like a little trainee, what's the right term, you know, like protege, I don't know, follower. She really just followed her, so that's why I said. But, uh, and she didn't say a word at all. I don't even remember her name. But 
the, 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 the main lady who came in had this bravado, like just, just like alpha type, type A, like it's a gnarly industry that we're in in the car business, but so like females really have to take it to the next level, they feel like sometimes, and, and she had that, like kind of shook my hand, just kind of like, okay, like move, you know, like, <laughs> you know, here, I'm here to see Jacob. Hey, Jacob, hey, honey, like, which is my client, right? And, uh, um, but we started talking, and, uh, and uh, one thing led to, I was about to leave, I was like, okay, you know, let you do your business, you know, thank you so much, I was done with what I needed to do, and I was ready to leave, and um, the cl- my client said, no, no, why don't you stay? I'm thinking, why does he want me to stay, you know, like, this is weird, like, I don't know these two people, they're probably from the bank, like, I'm a marketing person, it has nothing to do with anything. And he had me sit down, and little did I know, it is the same lady you know, he didn't hint this. Like, it just came out that it's the same lady. And, and so we start talking, though, um, first off about the church. She mentioned, I don't know how we got on that subject, but um, she's uh, uh, Jehovah's Witness. And I said, I have a lot of respect, you know, missionary-wise. Like, they go out and they, they pound the pavement just like we do. And I've talked to a lot of them over the years, and I, I have appreciation for anyone who's willing to do that for what they believe. And um, that's kind of how it started. And then... <sighs> I don't even know how it got into it. She's a convert to that church. I'm a convert to this church, same age, 18. She was 18. And then somewhere along the lines, we talked about, like, what I do. I don't know how we got into recovery, but obviously it came out. And this lady, it went from, like, this, like, now it's, like, now we're, like, slowly bonding on the same level, right? And it's so interesting how it is, like, in life. If, if I could parallel this to my first meeting, which only one person in this room was there in my first meeting, and that was Mike. And when I first walked into that meeting, there was zero connection. It was me, like I, I thought I was better than someone, you know, like and I thought I didn't deserve to be there and this, that, and the other. And interesting that when we, when we share, right, when we, when we open ourselves to each other, um, you connect and you relate and, and you identify with other people's story, which I talked about a little bit last week, and that just drops these barriers, right? And that's what was happening in this conversation today. And it gets to the point where it, not only was there no more um, provada of who was better than other or even religion talk it was just pure I'm crying on her part of saying her story and I mean being able to share our story and um, share about recovery share about God and, and connect on that same level and that, that you don't get that a lot but you do you can if you want to I really believe that like if you just, if you want to be a missionary for the church if you want to be a missionary for recovery meaning you have to have recovery first to really kind of be a missionary for it but if you get through and you, you get this thing and you really want to go share it with other people um, it, it, that's what it really is, is the sharing, it's the openness, right? Like, I know we have anonymity, and that's great, but reality is there's a lot of people suffering. This lady is suffering. She's just, a, and I, I was able to talk to her like I was able to talk to anyone in this room. Like, hey, you're, you're just as sick as he is, and have this, like, very straightforward conversation and her agreeing, because the spirit was there. I felt it. I felt it the whole time. And uh, it was like a two-hour conversation. And um, if that, and five years ago when I walked in this room, are you kidding? Like, like my, you want to hang out and ask Mike what I was like five years ago? You can, you can do that because I wasn't the same person that's sitting in front of you saying these words right now. Like, um, I'm not even close. I was broken. I was full of my ego. I was angry at God, angry at Lexi, angry at everyone, everything but myself. Right? I was blamed everyone but myself. And, um, um, but if you're struggling, if you read this step and you're like, how am I supposed to trust God for whatever you're going through in your life personally? Just, just trust the process, right? Like it says, like just, just follow what your friends here in the room say, which is just go to a meeting, ask for help, right? And don't pick up, don't use, and, or whatever your addiction is, and then trust in the process. Because I'm not the only one that has stories like this. You know, that three, four, five, six, 10, 15, 25 years later, their life's a whole nother spot. 
to me, the biggest testimony of today with this lady and being able to share my hope and story with her and experience was just the fact that I felt like I did when I was on my mission, which is right before I had my surgery and got addicted to painkillers, I wrote this letter to my mom and I said, I know exactly why I'm here put on earth. And I know I'm in the right spot at the right time. That's a really comforting feeling. As someone who didn't grow up with religion, I was pretty insecure my whole life about why I was even here on earth, you know? I thought about things like that. And to, I remember feeling that on my mission. I remember also telling Lexi, um, when we did get back together five years ago and we're coming to these meetings, I was getting sober. I was like, I'll never be able to help another person again. I'll, I don't even know why I'm here still. Like, I don't know, you know, I just had all this guilt and shame and I was sober, but I was shamed. I felt shameful for the things I had done and that testimony. And, you know, it may take a little bit of time. For me, it's taken a lot of years, but, you know, I know exactly why I'm here today. And that doesn't mean I, I, that won't get cloudy tomorrow. Me and Brad gave a, a, a youth conference talk the other, on Saturday, and we talked, he talked about the great and spacious building. And, you know, that mist of darkness comes in all of our lives, in and out, every other day sometimes. Sometimes it goes away for years, and then sometimes it comes back. The point is, is that sometimes we have to cling to the rod. Sometimes we have to just, you know, we can walk with it and just hold on to it. But the point is, is you just don't give up. If you give up, you're, you have no promise, like it says. But it says in here, and I testify that 100%, like I know it's not really like a meeting where you do stuff like that, where you testify, but it's, you know, it says all things work together for, for good to them that love God and keep his commandments. It's some of the hardest thing. I said this to the youth on Saturday. I am sober and I'm, I have all those great things in my life, but reality is it's still so hard for me to keep certain commandments, period. And anyone who's... I mean, maybe there's people that it's easy for them, but for me, there's a lot of things I still struggle with, but I don't stop trying. And I, only, I honestly believe that the only reason why I'm still alive is because I, I haven't given up, but it does, you know, we just have to keep doing it and we have to trust God. We have to trust those ahead of us and just trust the process and don't try to rush something, you know, that you're not there yet for. Um, one more thing. I shared a C.S. Lewis quote, quote last week and I had this one sent to me right before the meeting, so might as well end on this um, it says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful for you guys are here. And if you open your mouth and if you work the program the way it was told to me from someone else, then it will work because it's worked for a lot of people. And you're no different. It'll work for you. And I'm grateful to be a part of this group and just to be able to be shoulder to shoulder with you guys. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. We are live. Hello, everybody. As you're scrolling through Facebook, hopefully you're stopping here and hitting the sound button so that you can uh, listen in to this uh, live webinar that we're doing. We do webinars every Saturday morning. Uh, for the leading LDS community and anybody who's interested about various topics and uh, excited to do this one. This will probably be the last webinar that we do in 2017, just because, uh, I don't know, we're, it's a busy time of year and uh, maybe people don't have time to, to tune in. Um, as uh, I'm going to, Facebook usually screams at me about now, so I'm anticipating that. But, uh, but yeah, so this will be the last webinar for... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We hear you. There it goes. Mute. All right, good. Um, yeah, so last webinar in 2017, but we many more to come, and uh, they're always fun and insightful, and we love the um, the interaction we get with uh, Zoom, doing the the um, 
webinar software we use, and uh, that's probably the best place to watch this. Of course, if you're watching my Facebook, you can still uh, participate, ask questions in the comments section. Uh, those that are uh, logged in through Zoom, use the chat box to ask questions as we go through this. I'll be keeping my eye on that if you need something uh, for our uh, presenter to clarify or, or review. Uh, that's the place to go. If you want to ask a question anonymously, you can use the Q&A option on Zoom as well. Um, and uh, that's an option there. Or ra raise your hand as another option. I don't know. That's, I guess, we don't, we, probably the just typing in your question is best. But um, with that, a few items to review here. Get my notes up. Um, I just want to plug the 2018, this, I'll call it the sponsor of this webinar, the 2018 Ward Year Calendar that Leading LDS has produced. I don't have one with me because the one I had, I, I gave it away as we all should buy a calendar and give it away to our favorite bishop or clerk or somebody. But this is, you can go to leadinglds.org and, and click on the shop button and see the 2018 calendar. They're flying off the shelves, folks. Better get yours now. And uh, it's a great way to plan the, the upcoming year um, I always like to have a big, large calendar in my bishop's office or clerk's office to just see the broad picture of things. Or some bishops put it on their ward bulletin board, um, and it displays the whole year, so members of the ward can walk by and see what's going on. Because let's be honest, they don't look at the bulletin board anyways, and uh, that would be one give them a new reason to do that. So um, with that, hopefully you're seeing the value, especially today as we go through this, you'll see the value of what we're producing with these webinars. And uh, I want to uh, exchange value for value. And those, if you want access to the, I think we've done 10 plus webinars so far of, on various topics from uh, addiction to um, and having tough conversations to um, shame, all sorts of different topics that are going to apply to any leader. And so we put these in our core leader library and that our core leaders have unlimited access to these and can uh, review them and uh, watch them over and over again, have access to MP3s. And, and we are, I'm just about there. Hopefully by the end of the year, I'm going to have a separate podcast stream for our uh, core leaders that they can just subscribe to and automatically get these. And so uh, there's definitely a benefit by going to leading LDS and becoming a core leader. And if you don't know what a core leader is, that's just somebody who is contributing to leading LDS on a monthly or a yearly automatic basis. And so whether it's a dollar a month, $12 a year, simply are giving uh, $5 a month, $30 a month, whatever it is, um, we appreciate your donations. And as a nonprofit, that's how we function. That's how we keep the wheels churning of, of leading LDS and producing even even more content that way. So um, with that, we will go to uh, our guest. You have heard his voice before, I'm sure. He's been on the Leading LDS podcast and one of my uh, favorite episodes I'd love to share to new bishops who are maybe don't know what they're in for. Uh, but we're going to Southern California to talk with uh, Brad Barber. How are you, Brad? Doing good. <laughs> How are you, Kurt? Very good. Man, how's the weather down there? It's like crazy cold here. You know, we have had, it's perfect right now. We're at 75, 80 degrees during the day, and it gets down to like high 40s at night. So we got cool nights, warm air. If you listen to our podcast, Jay and I talk about going surfing all the time. The way's been perfect. My son's going to be banging on the door shortly, asking me when we're going to go. So if you get interrupted, that's because <laughs> yeah. uh, hey. it's Saturday morning. You got to live life, right? So <laughs> and that's good. Probably a fun Saturday activity to get out there on the, on the surf. So, um, and now tell us those of the, maybe are tuning in and didn't hear the episode we did. What do we need to know about you and, and about your podcast to kind of put everything in perspective? 
Well, I am a Southern California native, grew up in the church. I, uh, I guess what brought me to this point was, and with ARP was, uh, a gentleman and his wife moved into our ward about, uh, you know, it's been a little over five years ago. Um, and bore his testimony the first Sunday there about the fact that he and his wife had just gotten back together. And you're like, well, that's kind of bold to say from the pulpit. And he shared uh, his testimony of this 12-step meeting that the church had called ARP. And then he said, I overcame or uh, overcome an addiction to opiates. And I know that's uh, a hard thing to do. And many people struggle with it. So come talk to me if you need any help. And I'll, and I'll you know, I'll help. I want to help you. So I, uh, and he was sitting, I think, behind me in the, in, the, in the chapel, and we got to talking and started going surfing, and I just started asking him a ton of questions and learned that I, you know, throughout my callings of young men's, pre oh, first as a missionary, you know, as a missionary, you teach a lot of people and, and get them to live the word of wisdom or a lot of chastity, and, you know, they, they hold strong for a week, and then they get baptized, and you, as a naive 19 or 20-year-old, you expect them to just live on right and most of them many of them fell back into addiction and you know saying to read their scriptures and pray and come to church wasn't enough to keep them sober and keep them in church and i think that's a story a, a, lot, a lot of missionaries deal with and then as young men's president you see people youth that get sucked into either pornography or sexual things or drugs or alcohol and not be able to pull out of it a pretty high percent of those and then as ward mission leader as elders quorum presidency and all the way along, I really never had any answers. And so um, had many friends die of, of drug-related uh, issues, overdoses, or things like that. Um, many families, you know, I'm old enough. Jay calls me the old guy in the podcast. I'm the old guy where I see I've families break up, you know, divorces. Um, and they're usually tied to addiction or adultery or um, some, and adultery is highly related to pornography. So when he was, when he was uh, pretty open with me answering a lot of, asking a lot of questions, um, I was blown away. I'm like, why don't we, why didn't I know about this 12 step meeting that I know that AA and, and NA and all those things from movies and whatnot, but I didn't know much about it in our church. Um, and so as I started to dive into it, um, I dove in head first. And then fast forward, so we, we started a, a meeting in our stake and you know, the meeting that Jay got sober in would had five people in it in the farthest south part of our stake. We're in California, so our stakes are a little spread out more than probably Idaho and Utah. So people, you know, Jay was driving 30 minutes to go to this meeting every week. And before he was driving over an hour when he lived farther away. And, and so that, you know, basically a meeting with, with, with not that many people four or five years ago, and we now have many meetings in this area. Um, and the message I wanted to get across. So we started a podcast to share it out. And now we've got, you know, tens of thousands of people to listen all over the world. And, and I, I, it's, it's heavy to think, you know, people are like, you saved my life. You saved my marriage. Um, and so that's pretty heavy. And Jay and I, it's a lot of work. You do, you know, you're a professional at this. We're amateurs, but it's a lot of work to, to get our message out. A lot of late nights, um, but it's all worth it. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. all in to try to spread this message and help as many people as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, 
I mean, I think your, your podcast is so valuable. I can't uh, recommend it enough to those who are listening in to be sure wherever you subscribe to the Leading LDS podcast, be sure you're searching for the, the Next Step podcast and listening to that. I actually just finished your, your latest episode this week. Um, and there are always, I, I got to say, I mean, you, you mentioned, you talked a little bit about uh, Jay and his, uh, what do you call it, his, his message that he shares every week. Um, his share, his, it's called. His share, right? Yeah. And uh, man, they're inspiring. That guy, he's, he's got a, a talent there and nobody would, you know, claim that he's like the, uh, the perfect speaker, but he knows how to speak from the heart. And it just, it's so motivating to listen to him. And even, uh, you know, regardless of what stage or addiction you're, you're dealing with in life, it's, it's something, it's going to uplift your life by, by tuning into that. So uh, yeah, definitely just, good. Work. Jay just hit five years sobriety this week. So oh, that cool. was a big week, big week wow. for him. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, this is great. And I know you have uh, uh, an outline that we can go through here. I, as I mentioned before, I generally like to have the questions drive the conversation a little bit, but um, you recently met with a coordinating council of uh, state presidents and uh, talked about addiction recovery, the addiction recovery program and the meetings. And, and I think, you know, it's hard for us Utahns here who, who just don't know how, how good we got it. Like there's probably a meeting at any hour of the day of any day of the week um, that somebody can go to. And it's like a five, 10 minute drive, you know, if you're Salt Lake or whatever. And so, and, and these aren't generally handled from, I understand, at least when I was in the state presidency, it wasn't the case. You know, this isn't a stake initiative. Usually they, they're just established and they have missionaries that are running them and uh, they just, they just function. But it sounds like in outside, if, if there's, it's up to the stake to, to establish these, this program in their stake. Is that accurate? You know, I, I don't, I, according to the manual, it's supposed to start like top down. Right. But, mm -hmm. but in my opinion, and I'm going to share a lot of my opinion. Um, and I'm going to go through the good, better, and best. It's good if there is a meeting, but there's better ways. And so the, the best way, because a, a key, the key component to help people, I mean, the purpose of the meetings are to get people sober and keep them sober, period. And the key component of that is having a person whose title is called a facilitator. And a facilitator is someone who's done the 12 steps and has a testimony of the 12 steps and can, and can help lead that meeting. And so in, in a 12-step meeting, if you don't have someone leading the meeting who is a, an addict in recovery is the term, so they've become sober from, from anything in that regard, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex, eating, overeating, something like that. If they have a test with the 12 steps, have done the 12 steps with a sponsor, then they're capable. And so even in Utah, there's a lot of meetings that aren't led. They're led by a great missionary couple but they don't know anything about addiction. It's like yeah. you talking about surfing with me. I can tell in 30 seconds, you have no idea what you're talking about. But if you're trying to tell me how to surf, I'm just going to go, whatever. I'll be nice to you, but I can tell quickly you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and addicts do the same thing. So that's great. I know you care, but you have no idea what I'm going through, or what I've gone through. Yeah. And so yeah. having you know, someone who's gone through that is critical. Yeah. And if there's one thing that a leader could take away from this webinar, from the podcast we did, um, by the time I served as a bishop for five years, and by the end of that, that five years, if you would have asked me what's a sponsor, I would have been like, giving you this like general uh, rough idea of what I think it is, but I really had no idea what a sponsor was. A, a bishop or a, a priesthood leader who's maybe helping somebody uh, through an addiction needs to understand what a sponsor is and that they are not a sponsor. And so um, 
if there's anything you take away, please know what a, a sponsor is. And maybe take this opportunity, Brad. What, what is a sponsor? How would you explain that to a, to a leader? Um, okay. A sponsor is a person who has gone, who is an addict, who has uh, over, I, I hesitate with the word like overcome addiction because it's something someone generally struggles with most of their life, just yeah. like all of us struggle with sin, right? We all, you know, just because we become converted to the gospel doesn't mean we're not tempted ever again. So, um, so uh, it's a person who's uh, overcome or abstaining and is in sobriety from addiction. And, and abstaining is different than being in recovery. So there's a, a term called white knuckling, which means you're just done. I don't take it, but I am obsessing over that, the desire to participate in that activity. Um, that's someone who's sober, but not in recovery. Someone who's in recovery has come to peace and is, a, is working a program. So that's someone who's an addict, who's, who's done the 12 steps, becomes sober through the 12 steps with a sponsor. They understand how it works. And, and they are then able to share their experience. Um, and one of the things that I had a lot of questions was, you know, could, could a drug addict be a, a facilitator for some a, a pornography addict? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Early on, when someone is first becoming honest, they like to categorize themselves. Well, I'm an opium addict. I'm not like you. I'm not as bad as you, an alcoholic, or I'm not as bad as you as a pornography addict. Or, you know, they, they put their addict in some category that's not as bad as someone else. And then as soon as they've actually gone through a first couple steps of being honest and humbling themselves, you realize they're no different than anybody else. Yeah, love that. Um, well, I, I don't want to uh, push in one direction too soon. So why don't, why don't you introduce sort of your outline and where you want to go from here? And then we'll, as, you're, as those that are listening through Zoom or through Facebook, put your questions out there in the chat box or in the comments. And uh, again, we'll keep your eye on that. But we want to, to hear your questions and, and any uh, clarification we can make. So uh, where do we start, Brad? So I'm going to start by reading a quote from the, from the intro of the ARP manual. Um, that's what it looks like. It's on LDS tools. Um, if you don't have any, I've been to a lot of church buildings. And when I go give a speech, I like go in there. I'm like, hey, can you guys give me some manuals? And they're like, uh, and you know, they're going to the build. They have no idea where they are. It's like, I think that's in some other building. I'm like, you tell me none of your bishops here have those? <laughs> so that's what it looks like. Order up. I think they're a buck. We yeah. literally go through a case probably a month. I'm going to our state like, hey, we need another case. Yeah. Because we go through them and people will take them and, and share them. I said they're great stocking stuffers. But in that, it defines what addiction is. So it says, some people consider addiction to simply be a bad habit that can be conquered by willpower alone. But many people become so dependent on a behavior or a substance that they no longer see how to abstain from it. They lose perspective and a sense of their priorities in their lives. Nothing matters more than satisfying their desperate need. When they try to abstain, they experience powerful physical, psychological, and or emotional cravings. And they habitually make wrong choices and find their ability to choose the right diminished or restricted. Boyd K. Packer, Corman 12 said, addiction has the capacity to disconnect the human will and nullify moral agency. It can rob one of one's power to decide. So a lot of times, the addiction recovery program is immediately associated with drugs, alcohol, or pornography. But um, I mentioned a lot of other things. You know, uh, if you look at the statistics of America, they say 80% are overweight, 40% are obese. You know, we're, our church members aren't immune to that. Um, prescription pills, um, our U.S. population is 5% of the world's population, but we consume 80% of the opiates. Hmm. Um, and then 
some recent studies are showing that, um, and actually when I was at the coordinating council, one of the secretaries are pointed out that um, in, you know, when you, after a surgery, 18% of persons who after a surgery become dependent on the pain medications, 18%. So he pointed out to some stakes where I have a high senior, senior population, 18% of them after surgery um, become dependent. And, you know, it's, it's, it feels like it's not an addiction when your doctor's writing a prescription, but it, it, what's dependency? So it, it's the more we talk about it, the more uh, it's, it's not just for those, the dirty drug addicts or the, or the alcoholics or whatever that I think the stereotype of an addict is. If you went to our ARP meeting, it looks like a, any other church meeting. Um, so uh, one of our, our uh, participants a couple of years ago renamed it and he called it an atonement realization program. Really the 12 steps walk you through the atonement, how to, how to recognize your, your whatever situation you're in and, and improve. The atonement's about improving yourself. Um, and actually I'll answer one of the questions that was, that was asked. It said, how do you know, how do you measure if you're successful? in an ARP program. Actually, can you put a poll up if people are there, how many people have ARP meetings in their stake? Yes. Um, and yeah. do that while I'm talking. A few minutes here and I'll. Okay. So um, I'm going to base this on the um, Elder Oaks talk, good, better, best. I, I love that. I apply that in almost everything I do. Interesting is Elder Oaks quoted Elder Ballard. So when, a, when an apostle quotes another apostle, I don't know if that doubly makes it more powerful, but Elder Oaks quoted Elder Ballard in his talk. And he said, Elder Ballard said, what is the most important in our church responsibilities? Elder Ballard says, it is not the statistics that are reported or the meetings that are held, but whether or not individual people ministered one at a time, just as the Savior did, have been lifted, encouraged, and ultimately changed. And I think that's the measure is, have people been lifted? Are they encouraged? Meaning have more hope, and have they changed? And that change is, you know, the, another, another name for our podcast and the 12 steps is 12 steps to change. So it's all about changing. If someone hasn't changed and they're not changing, then, then it's not successful. Um, and the church, we sometimes focus on being perfect, but we should focus on being on progress, not perfection. So all I think right, that's the biggest measure. I'm launching the poll here. Okay. Let's see. Do you see it? I do on my screen. Yeah. Okay, cool. But I can't vote. Oh, maybe since you're a <laughs> panelist, panelist yeah. I'll let you vote. Okay, so uh, the good thing is if you actually have an ARP meeting. Um, and an ARP meeting, it, it, according to the big manual that Kurt pushed out, is, you know, starts with LDS Family Services and gets pushed down to the stake level and down to the ward level. What I have found, and I don't know if this is across the country or the world, but um, what I have found is LDS Family Services is awesome. They're, they do a great service, but from those I've spoke to, they don't know much about the 12 steps. You know, those that go, they're employees of LDS Family Services. They generally get their, their graduate degree in counseling. Um, and it's generally one-on-one -on -one or group counseling, but those, but counseling is not what a 12 step meeting is all about. So they, for the most part, most of the people I've interacted after I talked to them a while, they realize they don't know much about it and they're busy. They are, the demands of them are very busy. Um, but they, it's under the direction of them as far as organization of the church. Um, and so good is if there is a meeting and generally someone doesn't even know how it started, but it generally hasn't started from the top down. As you said, Kurt, it started from the bottom up. Usually it's, it's someone 
from what I found, especially in California, it's a family member who, whose child or spouse was an addict. And they're like, wait, what the church has this meeting? What do I need to do it? And they've hunted it down to figure out how to start it. Um, but we're probably a little uh, insulated and not as familiar with the 12 step uh, meetings. And when I mentioned 12 step meetings, we did not invent the 12 steps. Those were invented by Bill and Bob. Um, that are the, as they're referred to, that are the founders of AA, which is Alcoholics Anonymous. And that was started in the, in the 1930s, shortly after Prohibition. And at the t you know, one of the reasons why Prohibition started was the addiction to alcohol was severe and they would just lock people up. There's no cure for it. Um, and so the, th the theory was, hey, if we just make it illegal, it'll just go away. Governments like to do that, right? Like, if we want to stop behavior, let's just make it illegal and people will stop. And let me, is, do you still, do people still see the, the poll on there? I'm, this is not, it's not letting me, I don't know if it's closed or, <laughs> I haven't used the poll option as much, but uh, I think there's a bug in it because it's, uh, do you see it on the screen still, Brad? I closed mine because I couldn't. Oh, you could close it. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe, I just don't know how it's going to show us the results. That's okay. We'll anyway. keep moving on. I can see right. people are in the comments, they can talk about it. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's good if you actually have a meeting. Um, and then what you could do is just make sure ward PECs are aware of the meeting, its location and time. Is it in the programs? Um, I'll caution here is I've had a lot of people that get referred to a meeting and someone mentioned in the chat box that they have a meeting, but it's usually a missionary couple and one or two persons that every once in a while come. And I've heard of those stories from people on our podcast and they show up and they're like, this is lame. I'm out of here. And they don't go back. Um, and so what I'm going to get into is if that's your meeting, let's talk about ways to make it better and maybe some best. Um, so it's good if you actually have a meeting. That's the foundation. You need to have a group leader. A group leader is, I'm a group leader for our stake. A group leader is not someone generally who's uh, an addict in recovery. Uh, I am not. Um, but you need to, you know, the characteristic of this person is, and I purposely wore a blue shirt today, because we all know there are people in the church that when someone shows up in a blue shirt, they're like, why is Bob wearing a blue shirt today? What's wrong? <laughs> um, I, and I, you know, I, someone walks into our meeting and they're drinking a Starbucks coffee. I think that's awesome. They're at the meeting, but there, we'd all know plenty of people that are like, I can't believe you're drinking, you know, a Starbucks coffee, let alone a diet Coke. So, you know, someone, you really have to have no judgment and, and realize that everyone's on a different, place in their life. Um, and so uh, if you're a stake leader, you need to, you know, I would, I, I, Kurt, as you said, as a bishop, you became a changed man because you, 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 you just become changed. Yeah. Um, and we all get changed in life. But um, I think, I, I don't know, if, but I guess I've been able to, uh, I, I, I don't really care what your background is. It's where you're going. Um, and that's kind of the attitude there. So um, you need to have a group leader that understands that and not, not, uh, not be judgmental or definitely not come across the judgmental because some people aren't judgmental, but they just come across that way. Um, and so that's key. I think, and this is my opinion that I go against the manual. A lot of them say that group leader shows up as a missionary and we've had group leaders come to our meeting from like other areas. They, they've heard us on our podcast. And they come to our meeting, see what's like, and they show up in their shirt and tie and their missionary tag. And, they, and after they're like, well, what should we do to make it better? And my first thing is drop the tie, drop your tag, show up like you, sh you were dressed the entire day. Because 
um, most addicts have been lying and pretending there's someone else their entire addiction and don't pretend like you're someone else. If you wear a tie every day and that's you, go for it, but dress like you normally would. So I show up, if I'm coming straight from the beach, I still have sand on my feet, my sandals, and I walk into the high council room and I lead the meeting. Um, so I don't pretend to be something that I'm not. Um, this is not a priesthood ordinance. It's not, you know, you're not teaching a class. You're just leading a discussion there for the 12 step. Okay, the next, next thing is, so how to make it a little bit better. So obviously, maybe I hope that you feel my passion. Um, the group leaders be passionate. They just don't show up on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday night. So they need to coordinate with the other group leaders. So sometimes they're like, we only have one or two people showing up to our meeting. Go to the other meetings. Go to there and say, hey, I need some more people to show up to our meeting over in this town. Who can you guys come? Um, you talk to the other group leaders around, reach out, talk. So you have to be prominent. And, and frankly, it took me a little while to get used to that. Um, one of the questions I'm going to, I'm, hitting questions as we go through. Today. I love it. One yeah. of them was, how do we encourage um, ward and stake leaders to attend addiction recovery meetings so they see what it's all about? Invite. Okay, I was scared. When Jay invited me to go to the first meeting, I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And then I'm like, as I'm driving down to San Clemente, I was like, oh, crap. What, what if people see me? What do I say? What do, all these thoughts went through my head. So I'm out in the parking lot texting Jay. I'm like, hey, he's like, come on in. I'm like, well, what do I say when I go in there? He's like, you don't say nothing. You just come sit next to me. And then I literally was scared as I was walking in. I saw someone I knew and they're like, hey, Brad, what's up? What are you doing down here? I'm like, oh, just uh, seeing somebody. I really felt, I don't, you know, scared, embarrassed, all those feelings. And as soon as I sat down, I'm like, I felt the spirit. And I, and, you know, that was just my pride and my ego getting involved. Um, so I, I do think a lot of those leaders will feel the same way. They're like, what do people think? I'm like, who cares what people think? Yeah. So, um, and if they're really that worried about it, go to a meeting, get on arp.elias.org, go to a meeting, drive 30 minutes and go to another meeting. So um, use the missionary commitment pattern. Will you go to a meeting? Will you go on Tuesday or will you go on Thursday? So I challenged, uh, I have, but it takes a lot of follow-up again, just yeah. like missionary commitment pattern. You know that I'll interject here that, that that's what got me to, to attend my first meeting is I had somebody who I was working with as their bishop. They asked if I would come and I thought, Oh, you know, I, I haven't been before. I, yeah, I'd love to come and just understand what it is that, that goes on there and, and what you're experiencing. But if you're a leader or if you're um, somebody who has a leader, you want to come, I, like you said, it starts with that invite, but also help them out. Like, okay, this is what you need to know. And, and maybe a shameless plug for the interview that we did and I'll link to it as well. But because we kind of go through the do's and don'ts of, of a non-addict attend those meetings, you know, don't go walk in there acting like you're not an addict or don't introduce yourself as the bishop or as the elders quorum president, just, just be you Kurt or your first name, whatever it is. And, uh, and enjoy the meeting and, and don't, and it's an opportunity for you to really not care what people think about you. Yeah. So I, um, thank you for pointing that out. I'll say some warnings. Don't show up as Bishop so-and-so or I'm, I'm just here to see how's it going. And that is, comes across so condescending, even if you're not trying to be. Um, and then there's a, a portion of the meeting, the introductions is just introduce you by your first name only. Um, as they go around the room, generally they introduce the first name and you have people identifying as an addict. You just introduce yourself by your first name only. Don't say I'm not an addict or I'm just a bishop. You just say, my name's Frank. And then during the sharing portion, the spirit generally is extremely strong and uh you know church culture is to 
share your testimony when you feel the spirit, just resist that. The meeting is for the, the participants there that are in the program. Um, and even if, even if the group, because sometimes you'll go to a meeting and the group leader doesn't know that you're Bishop Frank from whatever stake. And they may say, hey, Frank, would you like to share? Say, no, I like to pass. Yeah. Um, because uh, it, even if you've attended, if you're not an addict and you've attended for a while, maybe a share would be appropriate. But it's just generally speaking, my advice is don't because it just doesn't come across properly. Okay, let's move over to better. Um, passionate group leader. Um, little on here, I, I met with a stake a while back and they had a group leader that was for 10 years, the group leader. And I called them because um, I was going to go speak in their stake. And I said, hey, that's great. Who's your facilitator? Well, we don't really have one. That's the next one. I'm like, well, have you had them before? No, not really. They've been doing it for 10 years. Um, and I said, well, you know, great. So how many people have got sobriety in your meeting? Uh, you know, not that many. So they've been doing it for 10 years. They closed with saying, this is the best calling we've ever had. We never want to get released. <laughs> and, and, and so I didn't know I was speechless. And, and it's like having a scoutmaster for 10 years and no one gets past tenderfoot or no one, no one progresses. You, know, it's, you could love the campouts. You can love the meetings, love everything about it. But if, it ain't, if it's not working, if you're not seeing progress. Um, you might want to get a different group leader. You need to have facilitator. Facilitators, I, I already went, went, went through that. Okay, the next one is having meetings attended by a good mix of people with varying time of sobriety from days to decades. Now, this is, this is the role of the group leader to help with this. And I guarantee in every stake, you have people that have gotten sober through other 12-step meetings, AA, NA, SA, OA. There's an A for everything. And sometimes they're comments to the church and they left that behind. You know, they're like, I got sober before I joined the church and they don't mention it at all because we all wear white shirts and we're perfect. And, you know, we all look like we're on LDS Living magazines from an Instagram account. <laughs> so the role of the group leaders, get out there, talk, find out people. When I speak, I say, I, I go, hey, if anyone in here has gotten sobriety and you're not going to a meeting, come talk to me. And then I tell them, like, I need you to come to the meetings. And I've had people like, I've got, you know, like, looking around, I've got 10 years of sobriety. People I grew up here my whole life, did you know I've got, I had to go to uh, recovery and this and that? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Why aren't you coming to our meetings? Like, why would I come? I'm like, because other people need your help. Yeah. So sometimes- and, and Let me interject something, Brandon, this, that to me, the bishops, you have a responsibility to, to talk with these people because you as the bishop know a lot of this information that maybe the facilitator or these group leaders don't know, right? And so- I remember just an example. Sometimes I remember as a bishop, I, I, there was one individual um, really struggled with an intense pornography addiction. And we met and, you know, he made great progress and he kind of felt, you know, he's at a good spot. We, you know, he had, he was uh, participating in war through a calling and just really doing well. But about six months later, a year later, you just sort of look at him. I remember looking at him thinking, is he okay? Like, I, I want to check up with him, but I, I don't want to be the guy that's always like, hey, like, you're good, right? No, nothing's wrong. But what should have happened? I should have invited him into my office and said, hey, sobriety going great? Awesome. You need to get to these meetings because people need your help. It, there's such this stigma in the church that we want to be like, okay, Bishop, this, yeah, this is awful. Let's get it taken care of so I can move on with my life and act like this never happened again. But I really feel like the, the leaders, uh, you know, whether maybe someone's gone through a whole excommunication process and now they're a year or two into the church, rebaptized, doing great. That stake president needs to pull them in and, and say, listen, 
it is part of your eternal calling. You're a home teacher and you go to these meetings. People need your help. And, and especially in Utah, if we don't pull these people out of the woodwork and, and get them involved here, we're, we're not doing enough to really help those, these people in the midst of addiction that need, need a good sponsor, that need support of people. These are things that bishops and state presidents can't do. Amen. And, and you, as you mentioned that, my ARP uh, sent these are on. What, the person who does ask, how you doing, is the Sky sponsor. Yeah, and, and that never goes away. So um, with Jay, you know, got sober five years ago. He, when he goes and gets his five-year token um, or chip, his sponsor's there. And five, for five years, I mean, it never goes away. You have people that have been sober for 25 years. They still talk about their sponsor. They're still talking to their sponsor regularly. And then you've got multiple generations of sponsors. So it, it, that. that's how you keep sober. And so one of the sayings that I use is don't hide your recovery under a bushel. We, we, we use that for you hide your talents, but your talent is, I mean, you've overcome a lot. And, and if you've gone through the 12 step program, someone else has helped you and you wouldn't be there without that person. So it's now it's your turn. And that's basically the 12 step, by the way, when you go through it. But yeah, that's, a, I think that's a, a church cultural thing is like, Hey, done. I'm walked, I'm done. I'm good. I left that behind me. Um, that's very selfish in my opinion. Second is you also have some spouses that are like, Hey, whew, we're done with that. My husband or my wife's not going to that anymore. And that's where a bishop can help and say, look, it, you know, you can try to encourage, you can't force anybody, but encourage them and say, this is, this is how you're going to help people. And I've gotten, you know, the other meetings we have in this area have been folks that have been to our meeting, got sobriety. And I saw, I, I saw them earlier. I'm like, when that person gets sober, they're going to be a group leader in the town they live in. And I couldn't tell them too early because that freaked them out. But as soon as they got to a certain point, I'm like, Hey, uh, in fact, I can mention names because they've been on our podcast, but I'm like, hey, Greg, you're going to go lead a meeting in your area. No, oh, I couldn't do that. And now they're changing lives. Um, so, okay. So you need a facilitator, um, good mix of people, have your bishops attend. Because as the question asked, if you haven't been, your your life's changed. And, and it seems sacrilegious to say, but I hear all the time, that was the best church meeting I've ever been to when they come to a 12 to one hour meetings, um, not just ours, but just the meetings. Um, and what makes a good meeting when you feel the spirit and you're compelled to change. And that's, and that's what it is. So, yeah. And, and I'll just uh, reemphasize that if, and from what I've learned, um, especially as a, as a new Bishop or a new, new leader, you're just, you're just grasping for information and wanting to, to be prepared for, for that next interview. That might be a tough one. If, if you haven't attended an, an additional recovery meeting within the first six weeks of, of being called, you're, you've, you've got to make a plan to do it. And so maybe there's some bishops that, or, or leaders that it's been two or three years since they've been called. You've got to make this a priority and really understand what's going on there. And another thought I've had, uh, especially as I was listening to your last episode, you know, the church has started the self-reliance initiative. And, um, you know, these are, I think, 10-week courses about personal finance or whatever it is. And um, to me, uh, and this is kind of a goal I've set for myself in 2018. I want to go to a, a, tw a full 12 week round of, uh, of addiction recovery uh, program and, and really experience each step. Because as I've listened to your podcast, I'm always like, you know, I can't, I'm sure you could rattle off people, someone wake you up in the middle of the night and you could rattle off those <laughs> steps where I'm like, oh, let's see the first one. Uh, but uh, just to go through a treat it as a, a self-reliance meeting, because we tell people in those self-reliance meetings, we realize that it's not that you're a financial mess and you need this meeting, but go and you'll be surprised by just the interaction there, by studying what you learn, even though you're a very responsible 
the person in regards to your finances, right? And so to me, I'm, I think to myself, well, I'm not in the midst of an addiction, you know, yeah, I probably eat too much cake uh, when it's given to me. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm not, my life isn't out of control. But nonetheless, I want to go to that meeting and experience it of what's, what's some weaknesses I could focus on and apply these steps, not only to, uh, for the benefit of myself, but to really understand the power of these steps and what they are. Yeah. Amen. Um, in fact, the self-reliance um, meetings are formatted and they're supposed to run the way ARP meetings are supposed to run. No one's, no one's leading, no one's lecturing, no one's giving lessons, no one's an expert. They share their experience. Um, you know, one of the, one of the powerful things, uh, one of the first meetings I went to, what I, on that regard is a young sister, um, was sitting next to me in that first meeting and I got to know her, um, beautiful young girl getting ready to, she was, uh, getting ready to go off to BYU. Um, and she had some essays she needed to do and she needed help on. And then as, as, uh, her share was, she was living on the streets, selling her body for heroin mm -hmm. and her, and her family was searching for her like in the streets, right? I, I would never imagine that was her by looking at this young woman right next to me, right? And I thought if this person can become clean up from there to here using these 12 steps, can anyone use these 12 steps to overcome anything? Like what, whatever it is, too much cake or whatever, you, know, you may not need a meeting, but the principles taught in them can change. It's 12 steps to change whatever it is. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Let's move on. So, um, um, so the last one is on the better is persons who have done the 12 steps are sober and in recovery are actively sponsoring others. This is a key, I think, of the program. And again, not this isn't just the church, right? This is AA is to keep people sober. Uh, a saying of AA is what gets you sober won't keep you sober. Period. And relapse is a, you know, the, this is something that most, most persons in recovery don't share is they, they say outside that door, and I think it's a gorilla, they say or whatever, someone's doing push-ups. My addiction is out there waiting for me to slip up to pull me right back in. And, and I think that's, that I, I hear that commented a lot in, a, in the safe place of sharing of an addiction meeting, but they probably aren't comfortable sharing that publicly. That, yeah, they're tempted. We're all tempted. But I think those that have crossed a certain line are tempted greater more often and they have to keep it in check more often. And one of the ways they do that is by sponsoring other people. And they remember as they're, as they're going through the steps with someone else, what they were like, whether it was a year or two, five or 20 years ago. And they all share that that keeps them sober. Even if it's, even if they're sponsoring someone and they, you know, they don't get sobriety. Um, one of our, you know, it was shared um, to me that they went to someone's house to go help them. They had urinated all over themselves. Like they're just a mess in their house. And they're like, I don't want to get help. I, you know, I don't want to get sober. And, and the, the person who is in, who's sober walked out of there and said, at least I know I'm going to bed sober tonight. And I for sure know I am because I don't want to end up like you are because that's how I was. And that's a constant reminder them of not getting off that path. Yeah. So you can re you really are doing someone a disservice by not encouraging them once they become sober by not attending meetings and sponsoring other people. All right, let's go to best. <clears throat> um, all of everything I've already talked about, your facilitator, you have facilitators or persons that have broken anonymity. And at, you know, 
that that is was told to me early on like you got to be anonymous got to be anonymous. alcoholics anonymous you know the a part anonymous you got to have enemy we read in our script anonymity is a key portion of it and it is um but there's a book it's called aa big book it's the book written at the foundation of aa and the intro paragraph like the second paragraph says the reason why they were anonymous you know this is the 1930s they said the reason why we rem must remain anonymous is because we are too few in numbers and we are we are business people we are family people we don't have the time and the capacity to take on the demand of everyone that's going to come to us if we broke anonymity that's the reason um, because they need to number one focus on their sobriety and if they get inundated with help like then it then it clouds you know their number one goal is to remain sober that was the reason I, that blew my mind. And I asked a bunch of people and I asked some old timers and they're like, yeah. And, and it happened in our meetings is once someone breaks anonymity, a flood of people, cause no one comes and talks to me as much as they talk to Jay. I go to a meeting, we both talk and then we split up for question and answers. There's a line for people to come talk to Jay and they they always look around. They're like, okay, my brother, me, I've done this. They have a special way to connect with people. Um, and so what you can do as a bishop, as a stake president, as a group leader, is talk to them and say, are you ready? And maybe you're only ready to break anonymity to, to, to someone in, in, you know, maybe outside your, outside your stake, or maybe just to bishops. I have a brother that, that's, that um, struggles, or struggles with same-sex attraction. And he says, uh, you know, and he happens to be uh, an alcoholic, right? So he breaks anonymity on the alcoholic and the drugs, but not on the same-sex attraction. But he's willing to go talk to any bishop and have one-on-one -on -one meetings with bishops to share his experience, but not in a public forum. Okay, that's great. So whatever you can do to encourage that, and everyone who is broken anonymity, they're scared for what the judgment, am I gonna lose people or people, what are people gonna say? They've all shared that the complete opposite has happened. Literally, their weakness has become their strength. And those few people that are super judgmental, okay, they're always gonna be judgmental. So let let it let it be um but they they've actually gained way more um so i think that is a key because i can only do so much as as they call me a normie i can only do so much um but having per, having participants or facilitators share and go out and speak with me is very powerful the second thing is having um going with the group leader facilitator sharing the message about hope and recovery found the 12 steps and then one of the questions was how, how do i get you know, how do I, um, let's see, uh, encourage members to attend. How do I encourage members to attend regular basis? So even if I didn't have that, I would still speak about, you know, if I had no one willing to break anonymity, I would still go share. And I don't need to name names. There's no specifics, but the experience that is there is real. And so I can share it and I can talk about what the meetings are and what they provide. Um, and, and, so as my neighboring uh, group leader says, his job as a, as a group leader is to get butts in the seats. The facilitators there is to share his experience, his or her experience. And so that's, <clears throat> that's my role. So I, um, one of the, I guess I'm just, uh, I, I beat from the, I shake the tree where it's at. I don't go to the stake president and say, hey, can I go speak to this, this? I go directly to the elders quorum president. Hey, can I come speak to your elders quorum? Really say president, hey, can I, can I take a fifth Sunday in the next couple months to come speak to you guys about addiction recovery? I've never had someone say no. Yeah, it's so, free content, it's, it's free lesson. Yeah, so like, do I have to give a lesson? Yes. 
right? So, and every time we do that, we get more people showing up and more like, and, and we've been spot speaking about this re regularly. It takes time. So there's people that are coming to meeting that I know have heard me speak many, many times that are just now coming. Yeah. And there's so much shame behind it, right? And really what you're yeah. doing, you're just going into these, in these quorums and classrooms and slashing through the shame of like, can I come in here and diffuse the room of shame so people actually consider coming, right? Well, and everyone says we should stop the shame, but then, but then no one does anything about it. So yeah, that's a great example of how to stop the shame. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. And then uh, the next thing is um, spouses and family members attending general ARP meetings with the other, with other. Now I'm going to jump out with some of my opinion here. So we have multiple meetings out there in the church. We have general ARP, and then there's the ones called Passage, P-A-S-G. And you, you'll see those on arp.ls.org. And that's the one I first heard about. And it was called a pornography support group. I'm like, what's a pornography support group? Like people like supported it. Like I didn't know what it was. It was very vague. No one talked about it. Uh, and so then I realized like that's just a 12-step meeting specifically for pornography or sex. Oh, okay. Why don't you just call it that? So I don't know why. So my opinion, if you're going to have one meeting, have a general ARP meeting. And then I have leaders like, well, I think, I think uh, pornography is a bigger issue. Yeah, but if you have the stigma, uh, if you're gonna have one, have one, I don't care which one, but if you're gonna have one, have a general ARP. Then if you get enough demand for a gender specific pornography one, which means you've got a, a sponsor and a facilitator willing to lead that, then start one of those. But to help break the stigma down is just call it general ARP. If you've got a, a pornography support group with one person showing up, change it up, change it to general ARP, get the alcoholic to show up, get those people into AA. Okay. Um, if you have both, we have both in our stake and there's multiple, then, you know, you have the gender specific pornography 12 step. How it's so powerful when they show up to a gender RP with their spouse, who's been so hurt and they're able to hear from other spouses. And then they're doing the 12 steps, learn for themselves. That's where I, I don't, it's not magic. That's where the atonement's really happening. And so you get it to the next, to the best is you've got, someone going to a gender specific pornography support group. And then on Thursday, they come with their wife to the general ARP and, and maybe the share is different. Um, but that's where I've really seen it go to the next level and shame being broken um, and families being repaired. Um, and sometimes they go to the general meeting together and then, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever works. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big proponent of general ARP. Um, and frankly, what, and my bias is probably because most of the, the pornography support groups that I've heard about, they're another Sunday school class. You got someone up there, a group leader, teaching another Sunday school lesson about pornography, about how wrong it is, and hey, there's these 12 steps. It's not a 12 step where you go through the 12 steps and get real and say, if you want to stop, do the 12 steps. Get a sponsor. Do the 12 steps. Um, and, and there's a different culture in a lot of those where it's more of a support group, not you want to stop. And, and, and remain sober. That's what, that's what <clears throat> 12 steps are all about. <clears throat> okay. Um, da, 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 da. Okay. And then uh, the, the last podcast we had um, was about spouses uh, and family members doing the 12 steps. So yeah, I, I, I found that very intriguing. I didn't think that was a, a thing. So um, I'll, I'll read directly from the script. Here's our script that we read that's from the church. And I, and I read this every week and it, it's, I, I pause and I read this out loud, especially because it says, and it says it in the introduction as well of the 12 step book, 
family and friends who practice these same 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. You want hope and healing? Do the steps. So if you're hurt because someone's an addict in your family, do the steps. Do you want hope and healing? Do the steps. So um, it doesn't mean if your spouse is an addict or your son or, or daughter or whatever is an addict that you need to have a sponsor and go through them, but you can go through the book, read it, answer the questions in the back. You will find hope and healing. Um, and, and one of the unique things is we, we've had more than a couple people come like, I'm just coming to support my family. I, this one gentleman, he doesn't live here anymore. So um, uh, no names, names, right? But went for probably years. And then finally, he's like, actually, I'm an addict. <laughs> and, then, and then he just was too prideful to, to do step one to admit it. Um, but he got hope from going to the meetings and doing the steps on his own for some other reason, you know, something that he wasn't being directly honest with himself about, but then finally came clean with himself and got recovery. Love that. Should we go to some questions? Yeah, let's, uh, let's start with some of the questions that are coming in. I know you have some on your... Um, on your uh, the handout as well. But I, one thing I want to make sure we cover, and we've covered a lot of these topics. Um, I know we're, we're, there's a lot to talk about in the, the hour or so that we have, but, um, but go to the, the podcast that we did. I've linked to it on Facebook and in zoom of uh, it's called the, what every LDS leader needs to understand about the addiction recovery program and listen to that interview that I did with uh, Brad and Jay and, uh, and I think a lot of these we'll talk about more in depth there. But what, uh, Brad, what can you tell us as far as the youth meetings? I mean, as far as youth are concerned, do we just send them to any uh, ARP meeting and, and wish them luck? I, I wish I knew an answer to this one. But um, <laughs> uh, because the, the guide is, is specific and says youth shouldn't go. Um, if they're above 16, they can come with a parent. Um, but the reality is, and I just pulled up a statistic of, I was when I was pulling up uh, drug and alcohol, and I looked up on fight the new drug. Um, Fightthenewdrug.com is a group of anti-pornography, and, and their statistic was 22% of online porn is viewed by kids under the age of 10. Uh, now they have a category as under 18. So out of other under 18 year olds, 22% are under 10 years old that are viewing pornography online. So sometimes we're like, well, let's not address it till they're 16, 17. For many, that's too late. A lot of the pornography addicts we talked to, they all started 10, 12 years old. But the side is that's probably not appropriate to bring a 12-year-old to an, an adult meeting. Um, and, and it's not appropriate for an adult uh, to sponsor a child, you know, be their sponsor. So my opinion is if you're, and, and if you're you know, it was my child and they're of, uh, I, it depends on how mature they are. I would say, you know, 15, 16 years old, I would bring them to a meeting. But like, if they're not going to go with dad, but they go with the young men's president, go. Right. Um, um, Jay has brought uh, youth because we go speak at seminaries. And so he's brought youth to the meetings. Right. Um, my, my safe advice would be the, the bishop can go through these 12 steps with their youth. You know, the bishops are generally familiar with youth that are struggling with, with whatever it is, a substance, whatever. And they go through these 12 steps with the youth. Um, and we, but we, we, again, we're, because Jay and I are so open, we have missionaries that are out uh, and they're like, yeah, I went to meetings before I mission. 
I wish I knew more about it. I wish I should have attended, you know, and they want to come while they're on their mission, but they're discouraged to come as their mission unless they're bringing an investigator. Um, so it's, it's a touchy subject. I don't have the answer, except I do know that 12 steps will work. I do know that. Um, but I do know that it's probably not safe to probably have them coming, you know, as a super young person coming to a meeting. It's probably best within a bishop do you in the 12 steps with them or even a parent if you have a parent go through the 12 steps encourage that this is just god it's just doctrine right so i might this is laying around my house um my daughter just wrote a book uh, a paper for byu on addiction i'm like get the manual out write about it <laughs> it's all in there so it, the answers are there but the meetings are a little touchy on that so yeah and i think that's that's great advice and just being just be just uber sensitive to that and obviously, obviously involve the, uh, you know, look at yourself as a resource to the parents as, because I think a lot of parents, they sort of freak out and assume, oh, I, I saw my child look at pornography. He must be addicted or it's been twice or three times. And so we, he needs further help, but, you know, involve professional counseling and, and with their help between a professional counselor, the bishop and uh, the parents, uh, you know, there's, you can get them on the right course without thinking, oh, they absolutely need the 12 steps. And, and maybe later on in the life, that will be a more part of their life. But it's not like they must go to this or they'll never reach recovery. I, I think it's the more we learn about what addiction is, the better we can help ourselves as well, right? Like what is, what is a bad habit versus addiction? Um, and, and the manual, the introduction goes through it. Step one is about being honest. Has, your, has it become unmanageable? Are you not able to stop whatever you're doing? whatever it is, then that probably is, isn't an, an addiction. If you're breaking commandments repetitively and you're obsessing about it, in my opinion, that's probably, it. you know, one of the big uh, struggles I think in society and, and church culture is same sex attraction. Well, if you're obsessing about having sex with someone of the same gender as you, that's no different than someone obsessing about wanting to take an opiate or obsessing about wanting to take a drink. It's, it's an obsession about something that's contrary to the commandments the solution's the same for, for all those. Yeah. Uh, is there any, uh, Brad, any questions on the list that the questions people submitted beforehand we haven't covered yet? Um, there was one, um, one, one thing, uh, Monica that's on here said, don't mention the, the, don't forget to mention the spouse guide. So there is a, a spouse and family support guide. So on arp.lds.org, there's two links. One of them is to this manual, which is printed right now that you can order and have, and you should have in your building. The other one is the spouse and family support. That's not quite printed, but the digital version is available. Um, and it's the 12 steps for a non-addicts for the spouse or family member of addicts. And they go through the 12 steps. Yeah. So that's a great resource. Uh, Pat asked the question of uh, what is the, the right time to send a member to ARP? Um, uh, the step one is them being honest. So you mentioned like, do we overreact? The only time it works, step one is someone self-identifying them as an addict. And, and you listen to our podcast, Jay mentions he was living on his mom's couch. His wife kicked him out, wanted a divorce. He's got a second kid on the way, unemployed sleeping on a couch with his dog and he's getting driven to his first ARP meeting. And he's like, I'm not an addict. You guys are addicts. I just have a quantity problem. You know, I don't have a problem. Every, almost every addict says that up until the point to where they say I'm an addict. So when's the right time is when they feel like maybe they're, um, they're out of control. It's not yeah. able to manage it. Maybe they're not ready to recognize it. So maybe it's 
hey, let's go check this out. Because maybe going and hearing some shares about people and go, you know what, I am like that person in the meeting. And maybe I do, maybe I am. And it's usually a process. Um, and so if you listen to our podcast, The Next Step Podcast, you'll hear, we, at, we do Ask the Addict every week where we interview. And that's one of the common themes is some people it's like, you know, we've had a lot of people that are like, they, they were living a lie. They were Peter Priested for their whole life. And they got to the point to where they could not live themselves anymore. And they just came clean. And then for others, they, they weren't ready to come clean. So, you know, everything was a complete wreck around them. Everybody knew their life was a wreck around them. They weren't willing to admit it. And someone, a loved one, cared enough to say, hey, let's go to a meeting together. So if you are inspired and say, I think they might need it, go to a meeting with them. Say, hey, let's go together. I've never been. Let's go and see. And just sit and listen and see if they can identify with someone in that meeting. Yeah. And, and maybe that meeting is one or two persons and it's a senior couple with their tag and their tie and, and they're trying to give a Sunday school lesson instead of a 12th meeting. They can go to another meeting. Go to ARP to other somewhere and find another meeting. Uh, ask around, say, where are some other ones? Where are some ones where there's actually some people with, with a recovery that we could go visit? You know, if it's, if it's worth saving a life or a marriage to drive an hour, I think it's worth, you know, so people will say, I'll do anything to stop this. Okay. Well, there's a meeting an hour from here. Ah, I, I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think the, the point you're getting across is that it shouldn't be like something like the Bishop is saying, no, 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 you, uh, you're, you, uh, you need to go to this meeting and, uh, you know, it's because I'm, you know, that's your, that's part of the repentance process. You go to this meeting, you sort of need to step back and just let it unfold a little bit and encourage them to say, you know, why don't we just go and listen to others' experiences? You may not be an addict when the bishop inside is thinking, your life's a mess, you're an addict, right? Maybe you're not an addict, but let's just go and hear what other experiences are and determine if maybe it's something we should continue in the future, right? most people before they get on so step one they've lied not only to themselves but to everybody for a long time um and uh my, my advice if you're a bishop too is when they go through the step step three is when they when they mention to their bishop that they might have an addiction and, and here's another thing the more you talk about it i, I meet with stake presidents even you know sort of presidencies and they're like yeah i don't think we have an issue in our stake we're good <laughs> like you have no idea like Go, go talk to your elders, presidents, go, go, go down a little bit. You know, those, the, these people are not coming in for their temple recommend interview. And if they are, they're lying. There's trust me, there's people lying to you in your face for your interviews. That's yeah. if you're an addict, you're lying because you're lying to yourself for one. Or to be a false assumption to assume that, yeah, there's a problem, but our bishops have it covered. You know, they're meeting with a the bishop. They'll be fine. We'll just, you know, keep encouraging them there's a problem there and it, there, there is a place for this. this is an inspired program and, and the church has, has developed it as it is adopted it right as yeah. it is for a reason, not just because, Hey, if, if by chance you do need this additional book or resource here, it is, but no, this should be definitely involved in, in any addiction process. Here's the thing. If you don't have a 12 step meeting around, go to an AA meeting, go to a secular AA, NA, SA, yeah. and right. a lot of our Christians go to both. And, and I've had a uh, group leaders like, I'd never do that because people smoke there. I'm like, yeah, but you got people dying. So do you care about getting around a couple of cigarettes? Like let's, do we want to save people's lives? Do we, want, do we want perfection or do we want progress? Yeah. And, and maybe you get someone, someone gets sober at an A meeting and go, great. Then you're going to come back and let's start an ARP meeting here. Like think long-term. This isn't a short-term quick fix. And yeah. so some of these people in your area, Maybe leading your maybe leading your meeting 
six months, a year, two years, three years from now. And maybe it's because you're in Wichita, Kansas, and there's no meetings, but you can get sober in AA meeting and then apply the 12 steps in AA. Boom. I mean, this is not a quick fix. So think big picture. Um, and maybe you're going to identify that person in your ward or your stake. It's going to be like that guy, that girl right there is our facilitator in two years. And, and maybe they need to hear that inspiration because uh, I know Jay's mind is blown when he looks in that, you know, when he sees I I'm blown, but like these lives have not, these lives would not have been changed if Jay hadn't have gotten sober and broken enmity and led a meeting. That's just in our little area here. So that same thing can happen where you are. Awesome. Um, you know, Monica also says, encourage women to identify, uh, encourage women to identify and go, even if it's a mixed gender meeting, ARP is a safe place for women, even if it's not a women's only meeting. Would you, this isn't, a, that, this isn't a dude, this isn't a dude problem. Right. Yeah. This is, you know, we're, we're, we're both, uh, 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 succumb to the same temptations. We're different. Everyone's different. Um, and, and that's true. So I think a lot of, most of the, the stereotype is this is just a dude problem. Only dudes are addicts for sex, pornography, drugs, alcohol. No, we have equal in our meetings, equal, hmm. but that didn't take time. I think it was dudes at first, but it's not, it's, it's same. Awesome. Um, you know, John, I asked, or let's see, oh, here's another question. As, as a leader who is also reco recovering addicts, what successful elements have you experienced in expanding influence beyond one-on-one -on -one mentoring? I'm not sure exactly what's being asked. Any thoughts on that that come to mind, Brad? I don't know what he means by that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, John. Um, so, so I'd say the mentoring, um, one of the good questions is how can we help the youth talk about it? You know, a lot of, lot of people and youth included leave the church because they messed up and they don't think there's a way back. There's always a way back always a way back. And, and sometimes it's like my behavior, I'm sucked into this behavior and this action and I don't see a way back. And I think sometimes the culture is I'm going to scare you. So you never break the law of chastity word of wisdom. I'm going to freak you out. So you're scared straight. So you don't even go there, but I don't know if that works. Um, but I also know that if people are, don't think there's a way back, then they don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so the way you can help is, the way I help is um, one of my favorite uh, I, we, uh, youth conferences. I take Jay and I'm the Peter Priest guy and I'm like, live by the first strength of youth. This is um, in the last uh, face to face. I think it was Elder Oaks said, someone asked about living the, uh, the, the Sabbath and Elder Oaks was like, you know what? I got a machine here, this body. And I go to the owner's manual which is the commandments. And it says, you should do these things. If you want this thing to run emotionally well, physically well, let's follow the owner's manual. God is our owner. He created us. Let's see what he says. He says we should work six days and rest seven. He says we shouldn't have sex outside marriage. We shouldn't lust. We should like all these things, right? That's the owner's manual for us to be spiritually and physically healthy. Um, so I believe that, but as, a, as church members, sometimes, at least I did, I'm like, am I missing out on something? all these people look like they're having a great time by doing X, Y, and Z. If I only, and I hear that if I wasn't Mormon, we could do this. Well, that's baloney. You know, it's not just a God, a Mormon God This is God. So these are, these are commandments given to all of us for our spiritual and emotional well-being. So we teach like, look, 
you're going to be happier by living this. Here's Jay who didn't live this. Luckily, he, he found his way back. Um, but there, but there's hope to get back. And, and it's kind of a message to both. So it's like, don't, don't experiment because if you experiment, you might get hooked period. Don't try not to go there. Please don't hold on to the iron rod. But if you happen to get, if you got, Satan is very conniving. We know that. So to think that people aren't getting fooled or deceived, you're, you're a fool, but there's a way back. There's a way back. And, and that's, I think the message, because I think we're losing too many of this 16 to 25 year olds because they screwed up and they don't know a way back and there's a way back. And so to give them that hope, and that's where a power of these facilitators that share their way back, um, that's, that's a powerful message for you. Don't go there, but if you do, there's a way back. There's a reason and it's hard. It ain't easy. Yeah. Love that. Uh, and we need to wrap up here soon. I know your son's probably uh, itching to get to the, to the beach and, and catch a wave there. And, and I have a, I have a dance recital with my five-year-old that I've got to get to. So, but awesome. uh, one other question uh, Stephen asks is obviously an elder corn president doesn't have the same responsibilities in regards to worthiness interviews as a bishop. So how can an elder corn president help and or can encourage core members to at least start thinking about the ARP meetings? Talk about it. You're, you're not, Hopefully you're not interviewing people and asking about their worthiness. That's none of our responsibilities, but, but uh, we can talk about what the standards are, what the commandments are about how Satan tempts us and how do we repent and get back and, and, and talk about, Hey, if you're like starting from scratch, I'd be like, Hey, did you guys know that this thing exists? Let's read what it says. What, how do we, how can this help people? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Do you know there's me? Let's pull up, let's pull up and see where the nearest meeting is. Okay. Um, if you're an elders quorum president, reach out, go, Hey, facilitator, you're in two stakes away. Can you come talk to my elders quorum? Yeah. yeah that's exactly what I was go like, find the facilitator and say, is there someone come speak to my quorum or, you know, don't take it on the burden on yourself. Think, okay, I have to have this intense uh, addiction lesson and talk about the addiction recovery program. Go find the facilitator and say, Hey, will you come talk? And they'll like, man, they'll be there before you can finish yeah. asking him. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't wait for the top down. Just take action yourself. Do it. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think I had a couple more questions that I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's hit um, um, what types of addictions behaviors does this work for? Uh, in our, in our meetings, uh, you can name it, you know, drugs, alcohol, overeating, undereating, self-harm, pornography, sex, uh, same sex attraction, um, gambling, over overspending like it's just when you can't control what you're doing yeah and and that's what i love about what the church has done differently than the secular a meetings is it's general addiction and and it's it's fascinating to me when you have someone with addiction a and addiction b and i go can you guys relate they're like oh yeah i just choose to be this i you know this is my drug of choice and it's their behavior so they're all trying to have some solution to some emotional or physical problem. And, and that's what they're trying to do as opposed to having the Lord help them. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Any other questions I, we haven't hit Brad? Any other topics? I think, I think if I had this tool before I went on a mission, I could have helped so many more people. And so if I were doing mission prep and any missionary, like know about this, man, how powerful to to share that on your mission so missionaries know people that are addicts 
probably way more than their bishops, right? They don't even share like, yeah, all the hard things. They're just trying to get them baptized. Like, okay, you can stop smoking for three weeks. You stop drinking. Like they don't, and you're 19, 18, 19, 20. You don't understand the grip of alcohol. So someone's been drinking since they were 15 years old. They stopped drinking for two weeks because they have a testimony of the gospel. It doesn't mean they don't have a testimony if they go drinking again. But these, these folks, they feel so ashamed and they just bounce. They go out with the buddies, have a beer, get drunk, and they're like, oh, there you go. And then slowly they have to justify their behavior and say the church isn't true. So, so if a missionary understands this before their mission, so powerful. Yeah, I imagine it, even if they didn't get baptized, if you help them you know, oh. find a meeting and, and, and relieve themselves of their, their addiction, like, man, that, that's life-changing. That, that's worth a mission right there. So I, I lead all my missionary efforts by the ARP program, 12 Steps. I'll meet an evangelical anti-Mormon pastor. I'll go, what are you guys doing for recovery? What's your 12-step meeting? T- tell me about it. Here's what we do. Boom. All, I'm, I'm like, are we really going to talk about the Trinity? Or are we going to talk about what we do to help people and how we can help people? Breaks it down. <laughs> like, really? We're going to argue about Trinity? But you got people dying of d- addiction in your congregation? <laughs> yeah, that's it just great. makes it silly. But it's a great missionary tool. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Brad. Well, uh, if people have further questions, obviously they need to subscribe to the Next Step podcast, but uh, uh, where can they get in contact with you? Or 12 uh, steps to change at gmail.com is our email address. Um, you can message us on Instagram, Facebook, um, or on our webpage, 12 steps to change.com. And that's and the number 12, right? 12 steps. Yeah, one, two, 12 steps to change.com. And yep. Um, the weird thing about our podcast is for, you know, it's kind of cool to go, Hey, check out this new thing on Elders Quorum, but <laughs> it's kind of hard to promote our people don't promote. They're like, Hey, I love your podcast. I'm like, great. We share it. Like, yeah, I'm not going to share that. People will think I'm an addict. <laughs> <laughs> we have the hardest uh, podcast to promote because people don't want to say how great it is because of that stigma. Right. Yeah. Um, but we do appreciate when those do share it. Um, and I'm blown away of the, you know, you can see the statistics, you know, that of where people are listening from and countries that don't even speak English are listening and, and all over the country. And so I, I, I guess I think we're doing good and I'm, we're going to keep doing it. Um, and thank you for letting us know how we're doing. Cause that keeps wind in our sails. Um, and thank you for what you're doing, Kurt, cause you're a professional at this and we learn a lot from you. Well, thank you. I'm always, always here to help. If I can promote uh, what you're doing in any way or help out, uh, I'm, I'm standing by. So and a shout out to Jay, uh, who's uh, the other half of the, the podcast, who's uh, been listening in and he's been keeping, I guess, moderating the, the Facebook discussion over there. And Is he? He's probably wanting me to get off so I can go surf. He's probably waiting for me. Right, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> nice nice well thanks guys go check out the the next step podcast uh again hopefully you've seen the value of these webinars and now these don't just magically happen there's expensive software behind it that allows us to do webinars push it to facebook live so go to leadinglds.org, hit the donate button and and whether it's even just a dollar a month or, or twelve dollars a year or, or more whatever you can afford i always say whatever you're giving to netflix a month give to leading lds a month and and then you can sleep at night without any guilt so and, but uh, and if you if you know what goes into this, like Jay and I try to do it every week and it's a lot of work. Um, Kurt does way more than that. Like I, so he, he does great. And um, so, yeah, I do encourage that. And, and you guys, uh, you guys have a Patreon page as well, right? Of what? Yeah. There's I- a donate on our Facebook, on our, on our uh, website, uh, 12 steps to change. There's a donate button. It helps, you know, equipment costs money, <laughs> bandwidth, hosting, all that stuff. We're just, we're not, we're just doing it for fun or for fun. 
we're doing it to help, but it does help us because Jay needs a new microphone. His is horrible. Um, <laughs> so we're trying to get enough to buy a new mic. Um, and, but so any way you can help, that's great. It does help spread the word. Yeah. So go donate there and, and, and become a core leader so you can get access to the full library of webinars that we've done and, and uh, be able to reference these. And as maybe new leaders are called in your ward, you can point them to that as well. So definitely worth becoming a core leader at leadingLDS.org by hitting the donate button. Thanks again, Brad. Enjoy uh, the warm weather down there. And uh, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. Until next time, my friend. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Yep.
Christ is.